Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I wanted to let you know about a new documentary that I'm in. It's called Hysterical, and it's all about women in comedy. It's really interesting and funny and we've got some great people in it like Fortune and Judy and Eliza all our friends so check it out it's streaming on FX and Hulu actually you can watch it on Hulu and I think it's really great an Elio's original with anti-Asian hate crimes at record numbers this season of the Margaret Cho we're examining the historical crimes that laid the groundwork for this recent onslaught of violence. I talk with Asian comedians, authors, journalists, podcasters, as well as the organizations and people working to stop Asian hate. Hi, this is Margaret Cho. Welcome to the Margaret Cho Mortal Minorities. Hello. I'm very excited to restart our podcast and we are going in a very important direction where we're going to talk about all of the um, recent attacks on Asian Americans, of course, but also in a historical context, how hate crimes and crimes against Asian Americans and by Asian Americans have formed us as a community. Today, our historic subject is the Vincent Chin murder, which happened in Detroit in 1982, actually changed the landscape of everything that we know about Asian America today. And we're also talking about the recent attack on Pak Ho, a 75-year-old Asian man who was assaulted in Oakland and sadly later died of his injuries. My guest today is comedian, writer, podcaster, Andrew T. He hosts the podcast, Yo, Is This Racist?, inspired by his blog of the same name, alongside Tawny Newsom, and he is a writer on ABC's Mixed-ish. Hi, Andrew. Hello. How are you feeling? <laughs> I mean... Bad, obviously. I'm I'm not yeah. blind to the world, but uh, I guess personally, you know, I'm 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 doing relatively all right compared to lots of folks. I I can't complain, but I do, but I shouldn't. Well, I feel like I have never talked about race so much, and <laughs> right. 
it's really good because I, I've always had a lot to say about it, but usually I've had to fight through the conversation where people don't listen to me talk about race mm-hmm. because they either discount it or they um, maybe sort of minimize it or they don't want to get into the uncomfortableness of it. Mm-hmm. For, this is for the first time people are actually asking me. <laughs> which I think is really great and I hope it continues. Well, I mean, I so I don't have the same experience because I like a big dummy started a podcast called Yo is this racist where that's <laughs> yes. all people talk to it's me great, about. <laughs> which is great, which is important. Um, but yeah, I I will just say for me, I'm like uh, the one of the main reasons I started the podcast was to be like I can compartmentalize my race time and my non-race time. Like it's yeah. like, okay, we, we're doing race, we're doing depressing racism talk. Yeah, we, we'll do it, do it one hour a week, and then the rest of the time I can be like, look, I'm either on the clock or off the clock. Right. So you're you're feeling you're feeling the like conversations. It's it's like sort of energizing that it's happening. It's energizing that it's happening and all of the um, support for um, the Asian American community, the AAPI community out there mm-hmm. um, in response to all of these attacks and also mm-hmm. this historic racism of invisibility, division, um, all of this stuff is kind of coming to a real head, which I think is really Mm-hmm. important but i i'm also a little bit like i wasn't ready but i'm really i, I but i've been ready <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's i think that's like the tricky bit is like the thing that has been sort of tough for me is i i think one of my like big flaws in this is like i feel like i i definitely am worried slash probably exhibiting the behavior of a little bit of a gatekeeper sometimes in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Cause not necessarily someone like you, who's like had like a long career thinking about this, but I do feel like there's a lot of like, especially like, you know, East Asian folks, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Korean folks with like sort of a decent amount of privilege Mm -hmm. who like really are kind of jumping into this conversation for at least on a conscious level for the, you know, I, I, I say first time, obviously I don't mean like first, 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 never thought of it before time. Yeah. But like there, there is like a little bit of um sort of like lack of fluency with like the larger civil rights kind of movement mm-hmm. that I am unfairly frustrated with people about, I feel like, you know? Right. Well, I feel like any anywhere you jump in is like positive. Yeah. But yeah, there's different levels of where you feel like you can engage or where you have engaged in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and it's different. I think that now we have been educated so much about systemic racism from Black Lives Matter, where mm-hmm. we're acknowledging oh, this is a long historical systemic problem that we need to deal with now. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like as ever, the black civil rights movement is really the model of where to go, where to get to. Mm -hmm. So here again, we have that. We're, We're seeing we can band together in society and change things, which I think is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like, 
the an interesting thing for me has been like you know even even learning and like understanding that like just the even the concept of like asian or asian americanness really was like you know embraced in the civil rights movement you know yes. cuz it's like like we weren't when, you know, in, in all the different ways that Asian people arrive to America, whether it's like as prosperous engineers in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or as like railroad workers mm-hmm. or like, you know, any any number of like paths, they're all very different. Mm-hmm. You know, refugees, any, anything from refugees to like physicians, right. right? Like it's like people have all kinds of paths. I don't know why I felt like the way I just said that was offensive somehow, but I'm not going to unpack it. But like, yeah. yeah, But, but the thing that like binds us together, like the jokey version, the way the joke I say is like, you know, really what binds Asian Americans together is we can be called Oriental, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's the, and it's not like a good thing except for in the, in as much as we as a community own it, but it is still like, in relationship to white supremacy. Right. Right. Like, like we're only Asian because like in Asia, we mostly kind of hate each other, but like, you know, but in America, we got to stick together. And look, obviously that's hugely reductive. The shit I just said, but like, it's kind of, kind of how I see it. It makes sense. I mean, I've had to really understand my own identity again because I found out about 10 years ago that I'm actually Chinese. Oh, interesting. And I thought I was Korean this whole time. But I mean, you know, I've always like aligned myself with just East Asians in general. But Mm -hmm. there is such a uh, big divide between Chinese culture, Korean culture and Japanese culture throughout all the wars and things that we've had. So much um, xenophobia within our particular nations. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had to come to terms with even that, that internalized xenophobia that I've had from my family yeah. for all this stuff. So as a Chinese person, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome. Coming, out, coming out as Chinese, but it's, it's really, it actually is a really great thing. And it really opens up the entire world of, culture and also history in America mm-hmm. is my family's history really only dates back to 1964 when my family came here. But uh, the Chinese history in America, especially in California is much longer than right. that. So yeah. we have a lot, we have a lot to be proud of in the forming of America. And, um, but yeah, the, the, what we do on this podcast now is we uh, mm-hmm. go to a modern hate crime, which of course there's quite a few, but I wanted to focus on a couple that I, I know that were really very intensely covered. And also, you know, I think that the, these are kind of the ones that um, were the most recent. So one was a, a Pak Ho. He was a 75 year old man from Hong Kong who died in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And this was just in the beginning of March. And mm-hmm. he, um, was on his early morning walk and um, a man approached to rob him and the man uh, allegedly punched him, causing him to fall on the ground and hit his head and suffer a a traumatic brain injury. And he unfortunately died a few days later. So um, police arrested uh, Teonte Bailey, who uh, also had a history of victimizing elderly Asian people 
he had also charged him with the assault and robbery of a 72-year-old Asian man in an Oakland senior care home in February. And so, you know, that, and then those two incidents in the Bay Area, so there was that one, and then there was the other one that was really interesting. It was, I'm sure that you saw, it was a woman named Zhao Zhen Zi, who's Mm -hmm. 75, and Mm -hmm. um, she was punched by a a white man in, uh, on Market Street on March 17th. Mm -hmm. And she beat him back. Mm-hmm. She had a board and she was hitting him. And when I heard about that, I was so happy. Not that mm-hmm. I'm ever happy that anybody's getting beat, but that guy totally yeah. deserved it. Like, that's a great. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you see that? Yeah. Did that happen? The, the thing, the, the many parts of that that are sort of interesting are like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's like, it went viral because of, you know, she fucked up the assailant, which is like. Did you, I saw him on the stretcher and he's still yelling, but his right. arm is bent really unnaturally. <laughs> and, but he's on a stretcher. It's like, when you're on a stretcher, stop talking shit. Right, right, like, right. When, you know, when you're being wheeled away. By emergency services, that's the time mm-hmm. for timeout. You know, so so the, the an interesting thing that my friend Jason Concepcion, who's also a podcaster, I don't know if you know him, but he sort of pointed this out to me in a thing that I hadn't thought about that much was it is like this like triumphant moment, but there isn't also another side of it in that like the the woman is also has been hit. Like you see, you know, yeah. trauma in it's her terrible. face. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and she is not, you know, the the guy is the one who is receiving sort of the immediate medical care. And look, there's all kinds of right. like possibilities about what's happening, but it is like this thing where like there is a little bit of um stepping away from that too, where you're like and thankfully she's okay. I think that's that's a thing that has come out yeah. in in the meantime is like, you know, so her GoFundMe raised like nearly a million dollars and she said I don't want any of it, right? I'm sorry. I don't right. <laughs> I hope I'm not stepping on top of your notes. I apologize. No, no, no. no. She, I I love that. No, I know she ended up uh donating it basically almost a million dollars yeah. to the Asian American community to to yeah. to stop AAPI hate. That was yeah. really an amazing gesture. And, you know, because it's incredibly traumatizing. Like whenever you are physically attacked, it's terrible. And for this woman who's, you know, she's older, she's just shopping. Yeah. You know, it's really a scary thing. So it was very um, gratifying to see. Yeah her beat this guy's ass but yeah. at the same time <laughs> right it's like both right why is it's she like, not getting medical care yeah and- we, it's the story is so good and yet it's like i think this is another thing too because so i used to take like um like a lot more like combat martial arts type combat sports type stuff and mm-hmm. in that community there is a lot of like this machismo of like I-, I would love to get in a fight like i'm a you know i'm a badass i do this and like you do forget that, like, even when you win a fight, it's bad. It's bad to be in it a fight. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't yeah. feel good. All of those um, kinds of chemicals running through your bloodstream, yeah. it, just, it really feels like this is not a, a good thing. No matter who wins, there's no winning anyway yes. when there's violence. Yes. exactly. There's yeah. no win or lose. It's not the movies. Right, 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 right. You I know? think that that's what it was. It, it was a moment that, like, we, the audience, Twitter wanted this to be from a movie. Right. But then you're like, this isn't from a fucking movie. Like, 
this woman yes, got, got this hit. This woman is like hit and, you know, she had really bad injuries. I mean, you see later, you know, and she had a good yeah. on me. You see like the photos of her and it just is like very heartbreaking. Um, She's actually the second person that the same man attacked. Yeah. He was also shopping. He was an 83-year-old Vietnamese man named Nok Pham who um, was attacked. Like, I mean, why are they attacking old people that's right right, the other right part of it is like what is there wh- what does that mean to yeah. the rest of the problem is that why is it old people that it's happening to yeah well it, it is this like sort of like clear like type of vulnerability obviously right these mm-hmm. these people but also actually so so a thing that i'm like always have trouble wrapping my head around um probably in a very detrimental way to myself is cuz this was all in the bay area or, or all in san francisco yes. right yeah and and uh, Paco was in oakland but the oh, okay. uh, the other two were in on market street in san yeah. francisco but there, there I, I guess what i mean is that like i uh so i'm from i was born in michigan i'm i'm you know mm-hmm. Midwestern, Midwestern Asian person. Like I went to, you know, I tell people I went to high school with like literally one and a half Asian people, you know, very, 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 um, relatively like isolated. And, and because of, you know, like, you know, I grew up in a college town. So the Asian people I did know were by and large, you know, sort of that middle class, upper middle class of like educated postgraduate professors and kids of professors and, and shit like that. So, so like, a big flaw in my own perspective is like, I, I forget that, especially in places like San Francisco, the, the community of like, of Asian people, even Chinese people who I tend to like think of as being privileged is not that, right? There are like many more like Chinese people, Vietnamese people, like, like East Asian people, even, you know, the, the privileged Asians are still like, all over the economic spectrum, all over right. the vulnerability spectrum. Yeah, and it's it's just a thing. Yeah. I like. I forget that in San Francisco, like like Asian people are treated a lot more like a minority than like I think. L- there's less model minority, relatively speaking, in places like San Francisco mm-hmm. or any of the big like Asian cities or cities with big mm-hmm. Asian populations. You know, it's like. Like, cause I, I remember kind of feeling like when I grew up in Michigan, like, cause I'm just like a fucking dirtbag. Like, you know, I just like, I did drugs like all through high school. I was like, not like crushing it the way, like sort of the model minority kid should. Yeah. And I was like, look at me, I'm so unique. And then, you know, you get to a city, you know, I moved to, I went to New York for college and I met like, you know, yeah, just like skaters and punks and, and rappers mm-hmm. and like all this, like Asian uh, skaters, punks, rappers. And I'm like, oh, right. I'm not fucking unique. I'm just like sheltered. Yeah. You know? And I love drugs. I mean, I don't think that <laughs> drugs are a negative thing. I, I don't think any of that is uh, dirtbag behavior. I think drugs are amazing i mean i can't do them anymore because i've really lost my privileges there because i've i've imbibed a little too much but i think that the model minority identity hasn't served us because it denotes this idea that there are other minorities that are not model material right exactly that's really i think part of the reason why um i think asians get blamed for things, whether it's 
coronavirus or, you know, Detroit automobile factories closing, which we'll get into. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Asians traditionally get blamed for these things because of this idea of being a model minority. And mm-hmm. and and I think maybe images of us in Hollywood, which are now starting to emerge, mm-hmm. are really still pretty limited. I mean, you have Crazy Rich Asians and Bling Empire, which I love both. Sure. But at the same time, it's really a, a very um, elite group of people that are not my experience of being Asian at all, mm-hmm. but uh, somebody's experience. But certainly it's it's a glitzy, uh, aspirational thing to yeah. watch, but it must cause a lot of fear and resentment against people who it, within people who are experiencing financial insecurity yeah. and need to lash out. Yeah, it's like this twin prong of like, well, Asian people are weak and Asian people mm-hmm. can can afford it. They deserve it. You know, it, it's that it's that mm-hmm. sort of like the, those twin stereotypes. But and you see it more in in like I think the bigger West Coast cities, like like an LA, like uh, San Francisco. You you see more how. Asian people have the model minority has been directly used as like a cudgel against like in LA, it's like, like black and Latino people, but especially black people, right? You see, you see it Mm -hmm. in the strife that bubbled over in the riots where you're like, Mm -hmm. in, in that case, there's all those images of like black people and Korean people like squaring off directly. And it's like, yeah, you know, the perceptions that I think both sides have, the negative perceptions are like, false but reasonable like you understand why they came it's like if if black people feel like korean people are taking money out of our community yeah it's because korean people weren't allowed to own shops in places like beverly hills or like you know west hollywood or or like like white areas they weren't allowed to take quote take money out of white communities and then Mm -hmm. you're like yeah you know you see it on the other side it's like you know black people represent a peril to you know a danger to korean store owners and you're like yeah because we've been pitted against each other or those communities yeah. have been pitted against each other and so yeah the the animosity grows and it's well, yeah it's explosive and it's really unfair because it's really uh what they've done is sort of in made white supremacy that's caused all of it yeah yeah uh taking it out of the picture. So we're not even thinking about yeah. the real is that we don't even realize that this is all because of white supremacy and that's yeah. the real villain. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate because it's, it's a legacy that's grown. Um, and, you know, pitting blackness against Asianness is really just another way to keep us down. I know. And it's yeah. really upsetting. Do you, but so, so the thing I get in trouble with on Twitter is because I do feel like, like all that's true. And yet they're like, so for instance, like my, my parents are getting better, but like Mm -hmm. their, their family and their generation and my grandparents' generation, extremely Mm anti-black, you know? And it is like, Mm -hmm. (sighs) like hard to talk to them for me. I, yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't like it. It never gets through to them. Like, honestly, it's like, like, I don't, I don't know what it would take to have it sink in. Cause you, you hear, I hear my aunts talking about like black folks or Latino folks. And I'm just like, well, you guys sound like racist white guys. I don't know what to tell you. Like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's your perspective. And you know, they will fire back like, well, we're not white. And it's like, I mean, no, you're not. But, 
you keep right. that white supremacy rolling. But it's like, um, I think in my family, it comes out as aspirational whiteness. Mm-hmm. Where, because um, we, I grew up in a black neighborhood. We've always had um, a hand in black businesses and black neighborhoods, black communities. It's been a part of my family since we came here. So there is this thing of like this being like we're all just trying to get to a place of aspirational whiteness where it mm-hmm. was. You have to go to an Ivy League school or else this is like there. there's no other choice. You mm-hmm. have to, um, you know, be like a preppy. There's no other choice. You have mm-hmm. to go s- s- skiing. There's no other choice. <laughs> if you do something on the weekend, we're skiing, which is like right. another part of like aspirational whiteness. I don't want to go skiing. <laughs> I want to I, go ice skating, but not skiing. I've, I don't. I. I mean, look. This is like, like I'm like hard Midwest. I've never been downhill skiing because, like, we would go fucking cross country skiing, like some shit out of far, like Fargo. Like I'm just like, oh, that's terrible. What are we doing? Yeah, as a sport, I do not recommend it. It's not very fun. No, it's not fun. It's just like. <laughs> It's just horrible. It's, it's like, just <laughs> it's like trudging. All you're doing is fucking trudging. Terrible. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of skiing, but it's just like that's that's kind of the idea of like aspirational whiteness and that being the only option, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to um, any kind of overt anti anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like my parents experienced so much um, racism that they actively sought other communities so like we had a gay bookstore Mm. and um you know we were in gay neighborhoods we were in black neighborhoods that was a very i think conscious choice and interesting so it's a little bit of a different thing but there was always this thing is like one day we will be white right still though i feel like for for like that generation of asian people that's like pretty good that's like so progressive and like it's pretty progressive especially the gay thing like to me like that's now that i realize what they came from yeah it's pretty shocking yeah you know how open they were to gay people and still are did did they did that put them at odds with like other members of the like korean community at the time i think so but at the same time my dad loves male attention (laughs) <laughs> and male beauty is South Korea's number one import. I mean, and export. Sure. <laughs> Not, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. If you think about it, male beauty really is what South Korea is selling, whether it's BTS sure, or skincare sure. <laughs> or the dramas. It's male. They're selling male beauty. And my my father was like an early adopter. So I have a very handsome dad. He's a real oppa. He's still very handsome. God, he loves male attention so much that mm-hmm. I think that we would have been in a gay neighborhood no matter what. <laughs> that's just that's like because that's like dope because I'm just like like even even as I watch my parents like swallow some of their worst impulses I'm just like they don't mm-hmm. they definitely don't get it right they've yeah. learned to like shut up about you know their homophobia or like yeah like so one of my friends from high school came out like relatively young for for my age or for our our age you know he was like I don't know, probably 15, 16 or something. And my mom just calls, he, she would just call him the gay. 
yeah. in like what she thought was the nice way, you know, yes, like to her. Yes, yes. And just like, okay, well, like, I guess good job. <laughs> you know? They're trying. They're trying. Yeah, I guess they are. They are trying. But it is, it, it's just like interesting to, for me to hear. Yeah, just about like, you know, yeah, your, your parents and like, yeah, I mean, part of it is like different coasts and like, you know, mm-hmm. clearly like different backgrounds and stuff. But like, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's good to hear. I've yeah, it. it's good. Yeah. So um, we're going to take yeah. a short break and then let's get into the murder of Vincent Chin. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so we're back. And um, do you do you know about Vincent Chin? You, uh, I think, um, are younger than me, much younger. So <sighs> this is something that would have happened around my adult, a uh, uh, young adult life, very young. Um, actually, I was probably thirteen when it happened. Got it. Did you? Um, would you do have an awareness of who he was? A little Before? bit. Yeah, not not really. Like, uh, certainly, like, I, I think he's, like, one of those, like, like, for me, it, it's, like, felt historical. Even even though I know it was, yeah. like, it was within my lifetime. I was, I was you know, I was uh, alive, a little boy. And you were um, in Michigan, too, so this is in yeah, Detroit. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Within my parents' sphere. Like, this had right. to have affected them, and yet... Yeah. I probably never heard the name from them. Well, okay. So this is the uh, story. This is from NBC News. Also, the other, um, I wanted to credit the other sources from, uh, it was from The Guardian and also uh, KPIX, CBS Eye on Bay Area, which I've been getting my news from in the story for Pac Ho. Mm-hmm. So in June 19th, John, June 19th, 1982, 27-year-old Chin, Vincent Chin, who's a Chinese-American man who um, actually had been living here most of his life. He had been born in Guangdong province in China, and he was adopted by his parents who were Chinese-Americans who were living in Detroit. And so he was their only son, and they brought him over, and he grew up in America in the 60s and 70s, which is very different time. Yeah. Um, but he uh, grew up in Detroit. He, he did drafting. So mm-hmm. he was, I guess, maybe something like, um, I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. I think it's like something like a engineering. Yeah. It's, it's architecture. like, you, you, yeah, it's like you, you turn, you turn the, the drawing into math drawings with math. Yeah. So it's, it's not just like what it looks like, but how long is it? I think. Yeah. I think that's a. Yeah. You know what? People Fuck we, it. We're not looking this up. I know. Tweet somebody, at us. What's drafting? He's somebody we needed. We needed yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so on June 19th, on the evening of June 19th, 1982, he went out to a bachelor party. It was a strip club called Fancy Pants. And he was going um, with his friends. 
he was going to be married to his sweetheart. Her name is Vicky Wong. And uh, they were going out and they're having some drinks at this place. And they ran into Ronald Evans and Michael Nitz, who had recently been laid off from the auto industry. And, you know, I was looking, I I watched a couple documentaries and I listened to a podcast called a Chinese history. And it, it it was really interesting because they, they were showing on the, uh, the, the documentary they saw all of these different like radio contest things where people were smashing Toyotas Mm -hmm. with baseball bats Mm-hmm. And um, so there was a lot of economic rage. And um, mm-hmm. I do remember also in 1982, there had been a gas shortage. Mm-hmm. So we were getting in line to um, get gas and you could oh, only get shit. like so much gas. And it was like really crazy because we had this big station wagon, American station wagon, that uh, would only get Eight miles to the gallon. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> That's How terrible. Wild. <laughs> and um, San Francisco is a very small city, so we didn't have to go very far. But still, it's like really like a, a lot of gas. But I remember there being a lot of like anger around the auto industry and anger towards Japan for yeah. having these vehicles that use less gas. Yeah. That were better I guess made or there I don't know they were smaller I I don't know exactly anything about cars yeah yeah neither do I although ironically so yeah my dad worked for Ford nearly his entire Mm -hmm. career he was like oh wow yeah 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 so we're like you know this is this is like you know my dad's like not his direct social circle but this is like you know that type of people that he had to have been around. Like he had to have been working for Ford when this went down. He worked in Detroit his entire, basically his entire career. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It must've been intense. It must've been scary because there was so much anti-Asian sentiment just because these people were losing their jobs, not at fault of the Japanese or even at Asian Americans at all. It had to do with, these companies that were just making a better product. Honestly, it's the people to blame are fucking Americans. You don't want Japanese people to buy Japanese cars. No one forces you to buy a Japanese car. And yet you're (laughs) going to be racist about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, Ronald Evans and Michael Nitz, I think one is a father and one is a stepson. So it was a father and a stepson duo also at the strip club, fancy pants in that night. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently there was this altercation where um, Ronald and Michael, the two auto workers, said something racially offensive mm-hmm. to Vincent. And it was something to the effect of it's because of you little motherfuckers that we're out of work. Mm-hmm. And that led to a fight. So they, they really they kept on fighting. It was just, I guess, arguing. And the fight continued to the parking lot where um, Michael Nitz produced a baseball bat from the trunk of his car. And to which Vincent said that, okay, you know what? I'll fight you, but that's, that's not part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not cool. And then left. So they left. 
So then Ronald and Michael just hadn't had enough. They were like so angry still. They were all pumped up. I think they were pretty drunk from the night at the Fancy Pants. And so they gave one of their friends $20 to go find Mm -hmm. Vincent Chin. So they were like cruising around in that neighborhood looking for Vincent Chin and his friends. And when they found them, they were in um, the McDonald's parking lot. And Nitz held Chin while Ebens repeatedly struck Chin in the head with the baseball bat. So there are many, many witnesses around, including an off-duty police officer who had his gun and actually pulled his gun in order to make him stop hitting Vincent Chin. I mean, just the feeling with like that much rage to beat somebody that you don't even know mm-hmm. with a baseball bat. It, it's really, yeah. it, it's a really very violent crime. Yeah. It, it's really terrible. I saw an interview with, I think it was the guy that had the, the who the off-duty policeman who witnessed it. And he had said that he's seen a lot of people injured very badly. And he, he really knew that Vincent Chin wasn't going to make it yeah. when he saw him, which is yeah. so sad. So four days later, he was in a coma. Four days later, on June 23rd, 1982, Vincent Chin died. And I think on the 28th after that, um, they had his funeral, which was actually the day that he was supposed to be married, which is the whole thing is, is just so terrible. So following a plea bargain to reduce the second degree murder charge, you would think that they would go to jail for at it. least, right? Like beating a, with right, all of the witnesses. Yeah, and it's like violent, be- violent and visceral and premeditated. Yeah, with a with a weapon of a, an innocent man in the parking lot. You would think. I mean, and an off duty policeman was there to watch it. Yeah, as well. You would think that they would have paid for their crime in some regard. But the, uh, the, the judge was a judge named uh, Charles Kaufman. He had uh, actually served in the war. I don't know which war. I, I must have been, it must have been either Vietnam or the Korean War. Yeah. He, I wasn't clear on what war he had served, but he definitely had anti-Asian bias. Sure. Presiding over this case. Yeah. You could, you I could mean, really any, any of it. the wars, even even World War II, he's got a 50-50 chance. <laughs> like. I mean, any of the wars he got. I mean, but you could just see it. And he, um, yeah. he stated, uh, you don't have the punishment fit the crime. You have the punishment fit the criminal. Yeah. And also, these are not the kind of guys that you send yeah. to prison. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you do. They're yeah, murderers typically murderers, murderers belong in prison. You send them to prison, <laughs> which is so sickening. So, following the plea bargain to reduce the second degree murder charge, Evans and Nitz were convicted of manslaughter. The two were sentenced by Judge Kaufman to three years probation in order to pay a three thousand dollar fine. Two civil tr- rights trials and a civil suit followed, but neither Evans nor Nitz spent a day in jail. And then you have the quote, these weren't the kind of men you sent to jail. Yeah. Kaufman said in a letter responding to protests from American Citizens for Justice, a Detroit-based nonprofit civil rights organization formed in the wake of Chin's death. I, I feel like, though, that this was really, it, it's such a depressing case it's really upsetting Mm -hmm. but i do know that later on in the civil suits they did have to pay um the chin family something of about a million dollars which i think 
It's something. Right. And, and look, I, I am, you know, less of a, you know, I, I'm less of a believer in the justice system because of things like this. You know, it's like, yeah, justice right. never gets served. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like this was really what we had to do in order to form. So in an organization um, was formed the Asian Pacific American Legal Center, which was a very important organization that was formed after um, all of this went down in order to um, bring a kind of a legal aid to Asian Americans. And, and I think that's really an amazing thing. And it also created a huge amount of people marching. Um, Helen Zia was the spokesperson for the case. And um, she was somebody that I, it's just somebody that you would run into if you're going to a lot of like Asian American events. I always see her. She's around um, Corky Lee, who was a legendary Asian American photographer. He's New York based. He actually just died in January of COVID at 72. But uh, he was a really interesting guy because he photographed Asian Americans and our journey for 50 years in this country. Um, So all out of this sprung, this consciousness around, we need to band together and speak Mm -hmm. up for ourselves. One thing that like this most recent wave of like kind of similar, like, like racist rhetoric begetting violence. I, I, and maybe this is just a matter of perspective. I feel like, we don't have the same like clear Asian civil rights leaders now, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. cause, and this is, this is not meant to sound like a knock, but like, it, it was a little weird to me that honestly, like in, in the last like two months, probably like the person people seem to be able to agree upon the most as like speaking for the community was Daniel day Kim, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, not his job, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like one of those things where it's like it's it's troubling to me that I'm like the f- the first person that kind of like had a voice that made sense in this time was an actor, and I was like that can't be good for our community. Well, it's also though that he's he's really the opat, like he is yeah uh, taking his sort of. Stance. I mean, I always look at him as our big brother, mm-hmm. and so a guiding force. So I, yeah, I really, I, I, I really love that he's there for us in that way. I mean, I, mean, I think it's my personal relationship with him too sure. yeah. that informs that because in my mind he is like so opa, like OG mm-hmm. Asian uh, yeah, entertainment I, figure. I guess what I mean a little bit is like it's like we don't have like a John Lewis or like like a you know they're imperfect but like sort of like a, a Jesse Jackson type like yes, yes and admittedly there is like different issues with that but I'm like th- it doesn't feel like when you when you when you see like you know even like a Twitter hashtag stop AAPI hate you don't you don't immediately know like oh I know I know what who's behind this. I know what's going on. Like mm-hmm. there's this thing where I'm like, cause I had a lot of trouble. There was, there was a rally in the San Gabriel Valley, two rallies actually a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And one was organized in conjunction with black lives matter. And one was organized by these like right wing Chinese people essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, that's, that's our community a little bit, right? It's like these, the right wing yeah. Chinese people were advocating for, you know, Asian rights, 
but they were doing it through the lens of like, we need more police. We need more this. And I was like, well, you know, that is the same day that the police were like, well, the shooter had a bad day. So I was like, yeah, it's definitely something that it bears us to look at ourselves as a community and wonder why that is. I would say people that I would shortlist for that role would be somebody like Amanda Noyan, who's like an amazing spokesperson, Nobel Prize nominee, really, really invested in this, or Ted Liu, or like something along the lines of, um, it's really about like our um, understanding of like growth and like where we are in our development. Yeah. So we need to... But and the history, which is which is why I think like this podcast is so wonderful, because it's like, yeah, Yeah. we're like, this is this is like the history that we should coalesce around. Like, again, you know, no, no offense to like any I'm not not even saying I'm just like Asians do have a history of civil rights, but it has been diminished. And some of it is through our own hand. Some of it is through white supremacy. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like a, it's like a little bit of everything. And I'm like, yeah, this is to me like a great value of like, you know, talking to you and like getting, getting to hear these things. I'm like, yes, this is like, try to rally around like, like these folks and, you know, the prominent Asian entertainers, like both. It's both. Yeah, it's both. And we have to, we do need, like like John Lewis or like Jesse Jackson, who spoke very, I think, in a very deep and important way around Vincent Chin. He was a president at a lot of the rallies. He was there with Vincent Chin's mother and really part of this movement that was mm-hmm. creating unity, creating this way to like look towards ourselves as a community and look to abolish hate in our community, which I yeah. I really deeply think that, Jesse Jackson had a big part in this yeah. and, um, you know, we would, we would be really excited to have somebody like that, whether that is yeah. Amanda, whether that is Ted, well, you know, whoever that, or Andrew, Andrew Yang or Andrew T. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great. but right. It's like, it's like, let's, let's like figure that out because like, yes. You know, that that feels to me like super pressing and like building yes. building those bridges are like that's to me the way forward. That 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 I'm just like, okay, we need that. Let's make that happen, you know. Yes. And and but yeah, it is conversations like this, hopefully, that those are the steps. That's hap and it will happen. And and um I mean, you know, we're just beginning our journey on this, and so I'm so yeah. glad. And I'm so glad to have you on uh, oh. our, our show. Thank you for Thank having you. me. We're- where can people find your podcast and what's going on? Yeah, just just yo is this racist? Um, you know, just it's just that it's me and uh, Tawny Newsom, who's an actor and comedian, and uh, we are not experts. Obviously, you've heard me talk like a bozo for forty minutes or whatever, but like, um, but we we just have our perspective, right? It's like that's the thing. Like, just being a person of color, you have a perspective and you have a fluency with this that like people it will surprise people so yeah that's that's that the you know thing uh yeah that that's where people should find me and on twitter and insta where oh yeah just all andrew t last name is ti yeah wonderful yeah well thank you so much andrew i'm so happy that you got to be on our. oh my gosh thank you so much for having me what a treat thank you 
This week, we are highlighting Compassion in Oakland. They're providing chaperones for elders in the Bay Area Chinatown neighborhood. You can donate or volunteer on their website, CompassionInOakland.org, and we will link it in our show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Margaret Cho, Mortal Minority. If you want to support our show, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, and spread the word. Reach out to me on Twitter with your thoughts, at Margaret Cho, or at Instagram, at Margaret underscore Cho. The Margaret Cho is produced by the Erios Network. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.